Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Andy J Podcast. Hey, welcome to the latest AJ pod. I hope you're having a decent week. Three fascinating celebrity guests for you joining our conversation this week and all from completely different backgrounds and really, really varied and diverse walks of life. Our final guest, we'll do this in reverse order, has won two Brit Awards for the record of the year. She's had 11 consecutive top five hits, four number one UK singles. She's been on multiple world tours. She was the face of Pepsi, BT, Cadbury, Hasbro, Sunny D, Sugarpuff, and a whole lot more. That's right, it is Brit Award winning pop sensation from S Club 7, the lovely Tina Barrett. How's that for a build up? No pressure for the final guest. <laughs> but she's done it, she's lived it, so she's in that space. My middle guest for today, well, remarkable. What a lady. So Nicola Thorpe is guest number two. Now she, of course, was in Coronation Street. She's very well known for that, but she's also been an equality and mental health campaigner for six or seven years, a columnist for coming into three years now, a charity ambassador, a broadcaster. She's frequently being used on This Morning and is, oh, she's just a, a remarkable, remarkable young lady. And I remember when we met I just thought to myself, goodness me, this woman is so, so smart. I said to her she should be running for for PM because she's just so driven and committed and determined and clever and lovely. And in our interview today, you will hear she's also strikingly honest and open about the struggles that she's had with mental health. Absolutely unbelievable. One of those conversations that will stay with me for forever, I think, just from her honesty and her passion. Incredible. And before them, how do you how do you go before those two incredible ladies? Well, with Richard Blackwood. Simple as that. He's a lad. He's great fun. He, of course, was a massive, massive, massive star. He literally had the Midas touch. He had the world at his fingertips with the Richard Blackwood show and singles and everything he touched turned to gold. Of course, that's what the Midas touch means. He went to Hollywood and things fell apart. And he is so interesting. The way he talks about that chapter and the way he's moved on and the way he's reinvented himself and his desire to keep going. Richard's a really interesting guy. I wasn't sure what he was going to be like when he answered the phone. I really wasn't sure. But he turned out to be such an interesting guy. And I hope that you find this inspiring because I certainly did. So three remarkable conversations. Let's dive straight in with Richard Blackwood. The Andy J Podcast. Okay, I am so thrilled to welcome my next guest. When I think about what he's achieved in his career, I think to myself, whoa. I mean, I would like to have done that as a presenter and a musician and an actor. It is the magnificent Mr. Richard Blackwood. How are you doing, Richard? I'm fine, sir. How are you? Do you know what? I'm really, really well. And Richard, I've been thinking about, since I knew we were getting to chat, I've been thinking about 
all the things you've done in your career. And I've been thinking to myself, I want, because I know you've, you've had some phenomenal highs and I know, of course, you've had your own challenges and you've had plenty of sort of awkward moments as well. I'm aware of, of when you hit the speed bumps and things weren't great for you. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it, can, mm-hmm. can we touch on that briefly? It's your personal stuff, so I don't want to kind of dive too deep if you're not into it. But, you know, this show is, cool. is great. Well, thanks, man. You know, you mm-hmm. you had this amazing success, you know, as you've alluded mm-hmm. to. TV presenting was, was so easy for you and the opportunities were there. You, you were dubbed, uh, I think, the British Will Smith or something for a while because you had fucking yeah, yeah. tunes. You know, I mean, I've... I've boogied down to your hits on the dance floor a few times as well as a student and so thank you very much yeah, i appreciate yeah, that there it is who yeah. the man you know and get with the wicked yeah. etc great fun i mean great fun really good tunes. Yeah. and then it just it's from my perspective you're you know as someone mm-hmm. who's aware of you was watching what you were doing and was enjoying it it just sort of seemed to stop you know it just and, and from yeah. my understanding is you you went to hollywood is that right yes i did i went i, went, I flew over to, i got basically i got signed so the the dream was always to, as, as I say, I wanted to be a successful actor in Hollywood. That's always been the dream. But I was getting um, a jump start because America was interested in me, um, but I had no acting experience because my success came off the back of me presenting and being this funny presenter on MTV, blah, blah. But, you know, America's a different kettle of fish. They just want to see that you're successful and, you're the new, the, the new big thing that we're hearing about. So obviously, if you, we then bring you to America and you do well, we look, we look good. Whomever that person was, we look good because we, there's nobody like you out here. There's, we've got funny black American funny, but there's never historically there's not been black English funny right. that's made it hugely big. I mean, don't get me wrong. You've got people now like Gina Yashere and stuff who you know um, has done uh, earned big stripes as a female black comedian but as a male black comedian to, to make it big like let's say Eddie Murphy it's never been done in the UK from the UK before so that was always the dream like I want to fill that void I want to do that when I was eight years old when it was just Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy wasn't really even big then it was like that's who I want to be so and that hasn't changed but so as I say when I got the success and America said we want you Obviously, all I cared about was like they want me. I'm going. Yeah. And then when I was out there, I had to realize the hard, the hard part that they put me forward now for acting roles. And as much as I could be funny, I didn't. I couldn't act. That that part I hadn't sewn up yet because I had no training as such. I had no experience. I had experience of stand up, but they were they weren't trying to put me on stage. Their thing was like, listen, you're a TV star in the UK, so we're going to make you a TV and film star in America. You buddy hopped over that part, but I wasn't ready. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's, well. that's essentially what went wrong. I mean, you, you, you basically went over there, to, to paraphrase Richard, without the tools in the toolbox to do the job. That's exactly what it was, and which was now in hindsight, which was a great thing because it probably would have been far worse for me if I had success. Because here's the thing, like, wh- whatever it was that made me, um, like, plummet, you know, and, and have to build myself back up, if it wasn't bankruptcy, it would have been something. Because it, the journey is the journey. Like, my journey, like, you know, I'm now 28 years into my career, and by the grace of God, I'm still very much uh, re- relevant. 
I'm very current still. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had my spell where I kind of disappeared from from the face of everybody. It was like, he, he, you know, he, like you said, he, he just stopped. But now with Shrek and EastEnders and now Hollyoaks and typical and so forth, you know, I'm essentially back to being a household name again, the way I was in the 90s and early 2000s. So, but now, like a, a friend of mine um, at the time when I was going through that, that horrible, difficult stage, I remember I was feeling very low and, you know, I, certain people kind of come into your life at the time and I believe sometimes they're just vehicles to help you mend, you know, like you don't know why you became friends, but then you realize later that they, they, were, there, they were there for that reason, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. And I had a friend who, she said to me, her name was Samantha, and, um, and she said to me, you know, I was you know, feeling down, and she it was so weird. She just came at a time where she became that friend where she would just kind of perk me up, and she would give me advice, and I'd be like, I never looked at it that way, and blah, blah, blah. And she, said, and she said to me, she goes, when you become successful again, she said, the difference between then and now will be that people will respect you more. She said, you was famous before because you was new and they hadn't seen nothing like it. But she said, but, but you kind of just, people just look at it like you just came from nowhere and you just became a big star. Mm. She said, so when you fell off, you had a lot of people relishing it because that's what people do. They throw you up to the moon to shoot you down. That's kind of the, the story. She said, but when you come back this time, everybody's going to know your story. Everybody's going to. Had, they would know the name Richard and it would be like, yeah, I remember when Richard was big. I remember when he fell off and now he's back and everybody loves that story. So she goes, they will respect you. And it's so weird because, you know, now, you know, I'm referred to as a legend or, you know, you've been around this, but like you said, you knew me when you were studying and stuff. And it's like, I've now become that person that it's like, you're still very much, we, we now respect you a lot and you're still current, yeah. but I didn't see it at the time. So that's why, and now people are much more supportive because they feel like they've been a part of your journey, the highs and the lows. They, you know, people can remember when I went through that bad stage. They can probably remember where they were in terms of in their life and blah, blah, and how the terrain was for me. And then now, and then you got kids that know who I am now, let's say from Hollyoaks and EastEnders, and their parents are saying, I remember Richard when Richard was you know, doing this. And the kids are like, did he do that before? And it's like, yeah. So I've become that person. So I'm grateful now for that, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And it's, you know, it's a Phoenix from the Flames story, isn't it? Because, there you, go. you know, if you don't mind me being too too delicate, Richard, you know, it, it, uh -huh. did, it did get very, very serious for you at one point, didn't it? I, I believe you, you, yeah. you, you considered committing suicide at one point. Yeah, it was, it was one low point in my life where I just, it felt like everything happened at once. But it wasn't, like, I want people to understand, it wasn't that, oh, I just lost it and it was because of bankruptcy. What people don't know, um, and so I, you know, because I get this question a lot and sometimes, like, it feels like we kind of revisit the same place. But just so that people are clear, I was raised by my grandparents. Like, people know that recently I lost my mother, blah, blah, to cancer and so forth. But I was raised by my grandma and my granddad. So when I went bankrupt, the same day that I went bankrupt was the same day that my grandma went into hospital and we, was, and we found out that she was dying. Right. So it happened all in the same day. Yeah. Right? So essentially, it's like hearing that my mother is now dying the same day they say, oh, by the way, you're bankrupt. Mm. 
So that is what happened. So, you know, when people understand that perspective, it's like, so imagine hearing that your mum's died and also you've lost everything at the same, on the same day, not the same week, the same day. Yeah. Right. You know, that most people will go, I don't even know if I could survive the bankruptcy, let alone hearing that my mum's died. So, so that's basically what pushed me over the edge. It wasn't just like people have never really heard that part. So people go, Oh yeah, he just, you know, he went a bit mad and it's like, no, and my mum was dying the same day. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So um, it just so happened that she lived a bit longer. And then she passed maybe about a year or so later, but I got told that day when, I got moved out and everything. By the way, your, your grandma's going into hospital. She's dying. So it was like, what? All at the same time? Yeah. So, so that's what it was. But luckily, I had good people around me, which, you know, people know that story, that kind of reminded me that, listen, you know, that you've got, you have a lot more to live for. And then even now, recently, my mom you know, passed away with cancer. And, you know, if people see my posts and stuff, I'm very, my rhetoric is very much that, you know, you've got to live for them. Like they've passed. So my mom's passed. And my whole thing now is that she would want me to live and fulfill my dreams yeah. and not stop because her time has stopped because this, that was her time, but your time is still going on. Like you're still breathing and kicking. So don't, don't use this as a, uh, um, yes, you're supposed to mourn. You're supposed to be upset. Blah, blah. That's all part and parcel. But also remember that you still have life. Yeah. So now I'm older and I'm a bit more wiser. I'm in a different space with the loss of my mum now, that I, as opposed to when I lost my grandma back then. I hear you. Yeah, and, and sympathies about your mum, by the way. It's uh, it's a horrible. Yeah, no, that's that's okay. That's, yeah, no, it, I mean, cancer. You know, I've 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 always kind of you know like done charities and stuff for cancer and blah blah. You, you know, I know of people that have had cancer and whatever, but when you see cancer up close and personal with somebody that close to you, your mother, your father, someone that close, it, it's different. And, and you truly realize, like anybody that suffered with that or suffering with it, my heart truly goes out to you because that thing, is, it's, not, it's evil. Yeah. That's the only way I can describe it. It's like, a, it's like watching... Uh, and, and people that are listeners that have been through it or have known people to go through it, they can relate when I say the reason why we should help with cancer and try to get rid of this thing. It's like if you've ever watched a horror film, like um, a, a possession film, any film like that, The Exorcist, blah, blah, it's as if you're watching an evil force enter your whomever it is and destroy them. And it's like you're watching it and there's nothing you can physically do. And daily, you're watching this thing tear away at the person that you love. That's the only way. I can, and as I say, your listeners that have been through it will say that's exactly what it's like. You're watching this thing and it's relentless. It feels like at any point that the person that you're, that's going through it has an easier day where they feel a bit better, it's like it goes, oh, do you feel better? Okay, I need to make you feel worse. It's it's really, it's just evil to watch, you know? So you reach a point where you just don't want that person to suffer no more. It gets to that where at first you, you want them to beat it, but when you know they're not and now you know they're on what we class as borrowed time, you now start saying, actually, I don't want you to suffer no more. 
So I need to stop being selfish. It's really a horrible uh, process that you go through. Yes. Yes, I, d- I do know exactly what you're talking about. I've experienced it myself, and I know precisely oh, where you so come you, from. It's exactly, uh, not, yeah. not me personally, my sister. And uh, so, yes, I, I know exactly. I've, I've seen it firsthand, and it is hellish on every level. Yes, um, yes, it is. Yeah, deeply, deeply unfair. So, uh, sorry, yeah. Richard, just to try and get back onto... <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. You know, we got dark end the light. Right. Well, absolutely. But you know, you, you sort of say, and you're so right. When someone that you care about so deeply passes, you know, it's your responsibility in a way. Yes, of course, to grieve them and, and all the appropriate things. But also, you carry their flame then. You know, and you then have yes, a right you do. to. You have to live for them. You know, they'll still be whatever, yeah, no, whatever people believe, whatever they're religious. Uh, you know, whatever it might be. I'm not here to preach or anything. But it's certainly my opinion that if you've got someone you dearly love who has passed, you still carry them with you. You know. I 100% you do. I actually, my stance now is that I believe, you know, like, as I say, and you're right, you know, whatever people's um, personal beliefs are, whether they believe in God or not, or anything like that, the afterlife, whatever. But for me personally, it feels as if my mum is now that guardian angel. We, you know, we all say we've got guardian angels that are there, and I, and I do believe that. But it feels as if my mum has gone, okay, you guys, you can back up now. I've got it from here. That's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. basically what it feels like like you know and there's a vested interest for her because it's like that's my son yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. you you know <laughs> that's that's what it because the, the blessings that have happened since it feels like oh better still it just feels like somebody now is truly protecting me if that makes sense yes, it does. the best they can so you know and people might think i'm mad to think in that but that's just my personal belief it feels like my mom's gone if anybody's going to protect you, it'd be your mum, right? So, you know, it feels like mum's gone, I've got it. You guys just, you know, take a tea break, do what you need to do. I've got it from here. I'm, I'm tapping in. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah, nice, nice. Brilliant. Um, well, Richard, you know, let's let's talk acting because, you know, obviously you've mentioned EastEnders, you've mentioned Hollywood, uh, sorry, Hollyoaks. You know, you have mm-hmm. you have established yourself. There's no question now. Can can you act? There's no question. Are you are you in your you know Are you worthy of doing this? Is this right? Is it appropriate? Your your the chapter of your life that starts. I'm now an actor. Is is many many chapters deep. You know, it's not just. You yeah. Know, you're not on page one. And yeah, yeah. No, that, I would actually. It's really weird. I hear myself agree with you now. Like that before, I would be like, eh, but now I'm like, no, that's exactly what it is. Oh no, you've you've and as you said, you have earned your stripes. You know, you've had the small roles. You've had the touring plays. You know. You've been, and of course, you've also had the highs like like being Shrek, you know, being the donkey in yeah. Shrek, which was a huge thing. It was fantastic, and you know, yeah, Hollyoaks yeah, and definitely good times. You know, that's that's the dream for many many aspiring actors. You know, if you told them sometime they'd they'd be a, a massive character in in two huge soaps, that would be wow. Yes, thank you. That's me made it for life. So sorted. One hundred percent. Let's one hundred percent. Yeah. Let's talk about typical because this is a, a remarkable piece of work. It was a play that you were involved in. From the beginning, in fact, you know, you, you, yes, you uh, yeah, was well, yes. You performed, I think it was in Edinburgh, and then of course at the Soho Theatre, and mm-hmm. there's been a decision made, which I think is great, by the Soho Theatre to to put it to put it out now as a film. They've filmed it, and it'll be available, right. I think, from the 24th of February uh, via yes, Soho right, Theatre yeah. on demand. So yes, I watched it. I was blown away by it, and I don't know how much Thank you. I should talk about it and how much I should reveal because I watched it without. I didn't want to. 
okay, you didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't know. I didn't know, and it, yeah. it comes out at the end, and so therefore I don't know how much to say. You know, like as as yeah. I was watching it, I was kind of writing notes to myself. So I was like, and I was thinking to myself, yeah. oh, Richard, Richard will be well impressed because like first up, it gets me craving jollof rice. You know, I'm like, right, yeah. So because yeah. I, haven't, I haven't had a bowl of jollof rice for a while, you've dropped that in, right? Yeah. Now I suddenly want some of that. Then I'm like, oh, okay, hang on. So he split up with his wife three years ago, and he's oh, he's obviously an ex-soldier. You know, and I'm getting all these notes, thinking, yeah, Richard will be well impressed. I've, t- I've kind of picked all this stuff up and then of course the end and i'm like oh yeah 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 but that's essentially what we were we were trying to do because with you know if people that have their name research they would know once they hear the name christopher order then they were kind of put two and two together and go okay i've heard that name and then you know so they know how that story goes to a degree and what we were trying to do was, you know, when you hear about situations like this, when you see, you know, when it's happened in the news and so forth, there's always a dialogue that seems to emerge. And the dialogue is always the same, which is, but what did he do prior to that may have caused that? Right. Um, so, you know, so then, and, you know, and that's where the argument comes because people are like, well, it shouldn't matter. But, you know, but that's what people do. They try to find some way of saying, that that was justifiable because, you know, so when you then, obviously, so when you're watching this and you're getting to know Christopher yeah. and then that happens, you, you've now witnessed something where you go, no, 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 that, no, 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 that, sh- that, that, that shouldn't have happened. And I'm more importantly, I knew him because, you know, it's, it, it, that's why we break the fourth wall. So you, you're, you know, he's talking to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, listen, this is a really important piece of work. And, and you are, I mean, it's a one-man show, Richard. You know, it's an hour long. Load of lines to yeah. learn, stones to just for, for, just for remembering it. <laughs> Never mind all the movements of the blocking. And it is, and when I say it's a one-man show, it is literally a one-man show. It's you and a couple of boxes. You know, it's not like you've got a colossal yeah. great stage to interact with and, you know, multiple props and all the rest of it. it really, yeah. absolutely remarkable. And, and I have to say, not only do I recommend it thoroughly as a, as a as a piece of theatre, but as a really important work, it's it's an uncomfortable watch. I'm not going to pretend that it's like oh, it's a <laughs> lovely light out of the theatre. Oh, let's have a giggle tonight. I know I'll put typical on. It's not, but it's really really important, and it's something that everyone should see. Yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's not one of those things that when you watch it, you're going to want to watch it again. It's not. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I, I never want to see it again, Richard. I never want to see that again. <laughs> yeah, it's not that like, well, you know what, let's watch it again. Like, no, you don't. I, even though I know somebody that did, they watched it twice and they, wow. they said the second time was even worse. But, yeah, I bet. But as I say, but like you say as well, it, I think it's just, and especially now, because the climate and you know, everything that's been happening recently, especially after George Floyd and so yes. forth, it's like, it, it's so relevant now, even though it shouldn't have to be based off of a time where people are paying attention. But I'm glad at the same time that it is a time when people are. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it doesn't fall, it doesn't fall underneath the radar. It, it kind of, you know, people right now, their, their, their eyes and ears are open. Absolutely. No, it's it's very, very timely. And, and you know, on a much lighter note, it is also uh-huh. a, very clearly a piece of theatre at a time where we are, you know, those of us who like going to the theatre have been starved of it for a year. You know, we can't, yeah, we can't yeah. just go to the theatre. Yeah. I loved the fact that it was a theatrical production that was filmed. You know, I just, I love that because, you know, at the theatre, you allow your imagination to fill in blanks, etc. And you allow the actor to, to really 
earn their chops, which you do in this. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that's, firstly, it's important to see it for, for the message and for the themes and, and everything we've discussed. And secondly, yeah, if you miss theatre like I have been, it's just lovely to remember what theatre is. It's great. Yeah, no, that, that, that was the other side of it as well. That's one of the reasons why I took the piece because, you know, for any, well, number one for the audience, but for any actor, to, you know, any actor will tell you to do a two-hander or to do a, a one-man, one-woman show is extremely hard because you are extremely naked. Yeah. And and it can, and can this is the thing, it can go either way. You know, that's the sad reality is that, you know, if a show is maybe if the writing's not good or the performance's not good and you're, and you're in an ensemble cast, then you can all take the weight and it doesn't feel as bad. But when you are by yourself on that stage and it's not a good piece of work, it's all on you. Absolutely, it's really all on you. Yeah. You know, so um, so yeah. That I'm, so I'm I'm very glad that number one we filmed it so that you know an, a larger mass can see it and hopefully can be a talking point. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and also another another plus point, Richard, is now that you filmed it, you don't need to learn those lines again. You know, that's oh that's oh done. my god! I told I <laughs> told I told Ryan. <laughs> I told Ryan, I'm never doing any one of these plays again. Like <laughs> it, was, it was, it was a running joke. Like, but I was being dead ass serious. Like he knew, like every time we would be rehearsing, because you know Ryan giving me shoes, he was there. He was there all the way through, and and he's an actor as well. So when he was writing it, he, which was, I think, which is another reason why it did so well. Besides Anastasia, who's a great director, but Ryan wrote it understanding the mechanics of acting. Right. So. He, so at points where it's like maybe, you know, I'm jumping from one character to another, he would be sitting in and saying, okay, um, we've got to make it look seamless. We've got to, you know, um, we've got to find a way where it looks like magic and blah, blah. So, you know, the scene in the van with the police and, it, oh, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <sighs> he goes, you do that wrong. It looks like you're just, it looks like you're really sort of like basically disrespecting what's happening. Yes. But if you do it right, we're supposed to literally see everything. So we choreographed it in a way where every time we, I did something, you go, that's it there. Keep that, keep that. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and as an actor, he was watching those things like, you know, do I believe you as a fellow actor? And he actually used to say, I don't want an actor to look at that piece and go, I could have done that. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be where they go, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know if I yeah. could, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got to be, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what he wanted for me, which is, I really respected. He, 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 he said, I want that for you because if you do that, then you also do that for the piece. So he wrote his thing was, he wrote it saying he couldn't do it. He actually said, I could, I don't think I could do it. And when he watched it, he said, no, he, he would be amongst other actors and he would ask them and they would go, yeah, guess what? I can't do that. No. And that's that's what he wanted. So I'm glad that I achieved that. Kudos, mate. Kudos. Really, Thank really you. impressive. Well done. Thank you. Oh, Thank I, you. I feel I, I, it's haunting, and rightly so, and it needs to be. And it's going to take some days to shake, but it's. I'm really, I feel privileged having seen it, and I feel informed having seen it, which is really, really valuable. And if you can be changed by something that is a piece of art, what a slam dunk that is. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Top skills, man. Hey, listen, thank you for your thank company you. as well. I, I really appreciate you, you, you being so candid and open with me. Thank you for the for your company. It's It's been lovely. No, it was a, it was lo no, it was nice talking to you. And hopefully, you know, the, 
I don't know, maybe I can reach one, teach one. I always try to do that. Every interview is like reach one, teach one and show people that you can, you know, you can still keep going and what's for you is always going to be for you, if that makes sense. I think that's I think that's really important. And by the way, me saying it's been lovely, what a flowery way to finish. That's nonsense. It's lovely. And the show, <laughs> tell me, just let's, let's wrap it up this way, Richard, because it's something that I like to, you know, we're, we're very privileged on this show. We've, we've spoken to a huge number of massive, massive celebrities and I, and I try and get mm-hmm. the same sort of advice from people because ultimately one thing that has been very clear to me since we started this show a long, long time ago is that regardless of how successful and famous and how much money you've got in the bank and all the rest of it we all bleed the same we all you know have our own doubts fears and anxieties etc and mm-hmm. the other thing is what i think marks people out is the resilience so what is it that that keeps you going what is it that makes you wake up in the morning and, and look in the mirror and go right richard let's let's do this okay so when i was younger when i first kind of started it was that drive to be that star break it in america you know and and represent that now that I'm older, it's more from a grateful place that I'm still relevant. So it's it's what I would say is that you're going to have people try and knock you off your mantle because in life, especially when your ceiling is high in terms of what you want to be, your aspirations for yourself, you're going to get a lot of people that because their aspirations are not as high, their ceiling is lower they kind of look at you with this feeling of how dare you, you know, how dare you believe that you can reach ascend to that level. Like you should be grateful with this. And that's when you've got to use that as your motivation to say, how dare you believe that I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. Right. You know, if, if man walks on the moon, then, then what's wrong with me trying to reach Mars? You know, that's got to be, so it, it requires a level of arrogance. But arrogance is not a bad thing because it means that you just love yourself. You believe in yourself. So, you know, sometimes people, I did a TV show once where somebody said, you know, if you look after yourself all the time and in the mirror, blah, blah, does that make you vain? And I said, yeah, but vanity is not a bad thing. It's not a sin to be vain, right? You know, because if you take care of your appearance or you you love yourself enough to make sure that you don't want to bring harm to yourself or blah, blah, things of that nature, and that comes under vanity. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You know, like we, we've got to stop with this ideology that to want to have great things for yourself should be frowned upon because how dare you? We, we need to let that go. So that's what I would urge people, like look in the mirror and say that I'm the greatest thing since, right? You know, I am the best looking. I am the best. At, like you've got to tell yourself these things. And when people tell you, no, you're not, understand that yeah i understand why you're doing that but guess what i really am that's got to be you know what i mean that's because guess what when you make it everybody then wants to tell you how great you are and you're going to be people in that crowd that you're going to look at and go but i remember when you said i wasn't great (laughs) you know what i mean like and then all of a sudden they're like oh my god you're so so you know the the non-believers will catch up (laughs) you know what i mean like don't worry about them use them as petrol but they will catch up you are great. You are a star. You're meant to be everything that people doubt you're going to be. That's what you're meant to be. That's what your drive should be. Nice. Make them fall in line. Yeah. Make, oh, my gosh. That should be. I wish I wrote that. Make them fall in line. You can have it, mate. You can have it. From me to you. <laughs> I'm so going to use that. That would be a tattoo. Make them fall in line. <laughs> I want a photo when it becomes a tattoo because that would be a cool tattoo, to be fair. 
I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm going to do it. That's going to be one of my tattoos. I'm gonna, it's on my right arm. My right arm is the tattoo arm that everything that inspires me, what I stand for, my quotes, and that one, make them fall in line, is going to be on my arm. Brilliant. I will text it to you so you don't forget. <laughs> yeah, please do, because, yeah, that one. But I, I'm just, I, I, people are going to listen to the show, and then they're going to go, he actually went and got it. Like, I really do like that line. Make them fall in line. It's good, actually, isn't it? I like it, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We well, walking around the street with a group tattoos. They'd be like, "Hey, what's going on with you two? <laughs> Well, I had this chat with Richard Blackwood, and we were talking about motivation, and then he inspired me to say something, and now he's got this tattoo, and so have I. And we haven't met, but we're like tattoo brothers now. You know, there. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be like, "Yeah, sure, yeah, sure, that's what happened." Okay, <laughs> okay, oh, we know what's going on. Love it, love it, Richard. What a pleasure. Take Thank it you. easy. Take it easy. Have a very you good too, day, sir. and uh, keep on going, my friend. Thank you. You too. God bless you. The Andy J Podcast. So there we go. Richard and I are now destined to be tattoo buddies forevermore. If it wasn't be the fact that I was utterly terrified of being inked. That said, if you're going to get anything, it might as well be something as random and fun as that. And uh, wow. I mean, a huge thanks to Richard for his incredible honesty and captivating company. Really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Let's get straight back on with the chat. This is the incredible Nicola Thorpe. I'm very pleased to be able to welcome my next guest, a lady who's known for many different things. She's worn many hats, of which we'll explore all of them. It's the glorious, incredibly talented Nicola Thorpe. How are you doing, Hi, Nicola? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's <laughs> lovely to have you here in our chat bunker. Um, Nicola, there are so many different parts to your career sure. and your journey to date that we almost need to do it by chapter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, what are the... I was thinking to myself, as I was driving over to meet you, I was thinking to myself, well, what do people most know you for? Coronation Street is a given. Yeah. Because obviously, you you know, you had a big impact at Corrie. You were in Corrie yeah. for quite a while and you returned to Corrie. Mm -hmm. And so soap fans would be like, oh, no, she's Corrie and I don't want to know her as anything else. Yes. But it's almost like, and we'll come back to Corrie, don't worry, mm -hmm. chapter one. <laughs> but it's almost like you've decided, okay, that was fun, but I like being me too. Mm. You know, because you've done lots of acting but you're also a very good, frustratingly good presenter, which makes oh. me slightly on edge when I talk to you because you can just assess as what I'm doing as being a bit pants. Whereas you're great at it. You're all over this morning at the moment, chilling out at chapter two, chilling out on houseboats, which you own, chapter three. Then we've got all the heel stuff, which yeah. we'll come back to. And let's start with your music career. What? Hey. My music career? Yeah, I'm going to dive in with that one. What was my music? Your career? Christmas single. Oh shit. Yeah. See? Can I see? swear? No. <laughs> of course you can. Oh my god. <laughs> I um, forgot that I did that. Brilliant. Because Spotify has not forgotten. No. Let's hear a clip. No. <laughs> oh my god, you really got me then. I literally I, I, no one knew about that except my family. It wasn't just me, I hasten to add. Well, no, no, there was you and a selection of people, but nonetheless, yeah. I wanted to bring it up because mm. I guess it doesn't get brought up very often. No, never. How dare you? R Rudolph something or other? Remind me the uh, name rocking, of it. Uh, rocking with Rudolph. There you go. Oh. Yeah, I had. Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> it was a, it was a hysterical day. It was because there was just loads of people that you know off the telly, um, and we had like an hour to learn this song, um, which I was fine with. But then they're like, "Oh, we're going to do individual lines," and I cacked my pants. And I got into a booth with I can't even remember who I was with, but I was like, "Oh my god, this is my like 
Bono moment in Band Aids, yeah, yeah. uh, and I failed miserably. But oh, yeah, no. it got to like number one on the iTunes chart. It did get to number one on the iTunes chart. Oh, God, I hate Google. <laughs> I hate that Google is there forever. But yeah, it was all for charity. It's so. buried quite deep, to be fair. It's not. It's not like but you did your deep digging, didn't you? I have to do some deep digging. So professional. Well, because I kind of thought to myself. Well, does this mean that you basically want to tick every possible performing arts box going? <laughs> no, I'm very you know. much a single threat. <laughs> I cannot sing, I cannot dance, although I have been employed to do both, but not very well. Um, right, so all the wannabe singers and dancers out there that want to do it, they'll be like, right, knives out for you then. Yeah. Well, you can't do it yet, you've been paid to do it. Yes. Thanks very much. Yes. <laughs> I'm a good trier. I try really hard. When I was at drama school, I remember at the end of year assessment, my teacher took me to one side and said, you think you're better than everybody else. You're just not trying in class. This is in dance class. Wow. So do you stand at the back? You don't put any effort in. Um, and my routine's not difficult enough for you. And I was like, I'm trying so hard. I've got absolutely no experience. And he said, oh, oh, I thought you've been doing it for years. You kind of look like you could be a dancer. I was like, no, I've never done it in my life. Amazing. He thought I was this really arrogant person just stood at the back, like being intentionally crap. <laughs> but I was just very, very bad at dancing. No, that's the way to ace it. Yeah. To be so kind of disinterested. Yeah, he thought it was a poker He thinks move. you're too good. No. That's, I love that. I was just awful. I love that. <laughs> Chapter five, incidentally, yeah. got to talk to you about being a columnist as well. Yeah. Because that that's is, a big thing. It's huge. And I've found so much fun with it. It was something that happened completely by accident. Basically, I was always quite outspoken on Twitter. And 140 characters never really did it for me. The maybe um, 280. I'm great. Yeah. Sorted. Brilliant. Um, but the Metro came, approached me and said, would you like to write this column for us? Um, it was about sexism in the media mm -hmm. and particularly red carpet reporting. And I wrote this piece with my personal experience and then they offered me my own column, which was awesome. It's awesome. And it's a good column. Thank you. I've got to be fair. It's a good column. And, and it started, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. Obviously, now I've landed the old Christmas single thing. Yeah, I'm going to think you know. I'm in credit, so we're all good. <laughs> but the, I believe the column came out of a clash, as mm. the tabloids would call it, with Piers Morgan. Yes, lots of things in my life have come out of a clash with Piers Morgan. <laughs> so as much as I, did you, you know, used to date? No, 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 gladly not. Um, <laughs> but as much as you know, I'm supposed to loathe him. Unfortunately, that's how a lot of the stuff in my career has come about because I've been brought face to face with him and that will be things that people remember. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't agree with his opinions, although he's kind of changed who he is since lockdown, right? He's become more of a man of the people with the lockdown, challenging the government in ways that we won't expect him to do. Yeah, yeah which is amazing and to his credit, like he's a consummate professional behind the scenes, maybe on camera. He, I don't agree with his lines of questioning. Um, I agree with his lines of questioning on politicians and people who should be held accountable, but I don't agree with his lines of questioning on members of the public. And I've called him out on that both privately and publicly, mm. saying, you know, um, for example, when he spoke about Caroline Flack passing. Yes. And how the media had targeted her. You know, I said to him, well, you've done that to me. Mm. You've posted photographs of me that you've gone through Google to find the most racy photo of me in a dress at an awards do. Yeah. And sort of tried to say that I'm um, looking for attention and objectifying myself in the media. Uh, so I don't agree with what he does there. No. But yeah, it was the clashes with peers that kind of, I think, brought people's attention to what I was about and also gave me a confidence boost of like, oh, okay, well, if I can kind of hold my own against Piers Morgan, maybe I can do it 
elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how my career evolved into doing more broadcasting and writing and stuff like that. So I know where this is going. Uh oh. Okay, so we've right. Music tick, acting, <laughs> acting tick, presenting tick, columnist tick, clashing with Piers Morgan tick. Mm -hmm. You're going to be the prime minister, aren't you? <laughs> Sure. I mean, it's basically the next thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, do you know what I do? You yeah. make a great prime minister. Oh no, I don't know. I've got a dodgy, yeah, dodgy past. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at a, Christ a Christmas single. They've let Boris through for goodness' sake. I know, but I'm Talk a woman. It's different, past. isn't it? <laughs> I reckon you'll be all right. Yeah, maybe. If Trump's president, you know, people can do anything. <laughs> well, look, you've opened a box now. Yeah. Dodgy past. Do tell. <laughs> no. What have just... I not? What have I not been able to find out? Because I've googled more than Piers. <laughs> No, not that dodgy. Just over. No, you're right. Actually, no, no dodgier than a I'm current. Right. You could be the front prime minister. I love politics. Do you? Yeah, I never did. Never used to. I remember in 2010, um, I didn't even want to vote. I didn't see the point. I didn't feel like it. Voting. You weren't old enough to vote in 2010. I was just. It was my okay. first. It was my first vote. Yeah, because I'm 31, so I would I would have been 20, I think, at the time. Okay. And I was like. Mm. Don't get it. What's the point? Why? Don't care. It doesn't affect me. I think like a lot of There's younger a, yeah. generation did at the time. Yeah. But now the young generation is so politically engaged, mm. so politically active. And whilst I was at Coronation Street, I found it really interesting that people would get involved in charity stuff, but they would rarely get involved in political issues or okay. social issues and stuff like that. And I suddenly found myself with this platform to talk about things that I had spoken about for years, you know, women's rights issues, equality mm. issues. Um, and I thought, well, if some people are using their platform, you know, to promote weight loss DVDs, which I've got no, you know, issue with them doing whatever they like. I love a weight loss DVD. There we go. Yeah. I've got them all. You've got them all. Yeah. I subscribe to weight loss DVD weekly. <laughs> nice bit of Lycra. It's good. Hey, <laughs> me and Lycra, we're like buds. Yeah. So I thought, well, why not do it? you know, use that platform to talk about things that I really care about. And don't get me wrong, it does my head in when celebrities preach their opinions and think that that is law. Right. Um, and I try to sort of strike a balance as much as possible and just kind of talk about stuff and, and openly talk about not really knowing what's right and what's wrong, but the fact that we should be talking about it. Because that's how politicians get away with what they get away with. Yeah. Is they just think, well, the public, we're not going to engage them on this issue. Therefore, it'll get passed or it won't get passed as a bill. Um, and I saw things going through Parliament and thought, right, I think more people should know about this. Come on, what do we have to do? Because like I genuinely can see you running the country now, right? Yeah. I mean, classic case in hand. Look at New Zealand. Yes. Look at their oh phenomenal. But she's, she's amazing, incredible. isn't yeah. she? She's incredible. She's a few years older than you. Yeah. But started at about your age now. Yeah. So come on, what could what and is it AOC take? is like my um, just my heroine, right? Well, I do I do get involved in stuff. We could I'm totally actually, make this happen, though, couldn't we? I'm sort of involved in stuff with because I'm from Blackpool, right? Um, and yes, your family make Blackpool rock. They do. Love that. Yes, that Love was my that. first ever job. Was have you ever written anything naughty inside it? Uh, my dad does. Like they have <laughs> they have a rude range. Do they? they? Make, yeah, they make rock penises and rock vaginas. <laughs> and, so that's what I was brought up around. Rock you, vaginas. Yeah. On stage. Yeah. So whatever I've done, it's like, look, 
what, no matter what happens in my life, I came from a family who made dicks for a living. <laughs> so don't, maybe that's, this is that's the clip. my dodgy This past. is the clip that's going on the sound, you yeah, know that. that's <laughs> fine. But this is what's going to stop me from uh, a career as a politician. No, you'll be but fine. You'll be fine. That, that was it. Just go around door to door with your, with with, your rude lollies. With lollies. my wares, yeah. yeah. And you can have your, your manifesto inside. <laughs> inside them. So yeah, I come from a background of very much having a sense of humour. Um, about stuff and being my family is super grounded and yeah they just make well they don't just make rock penises they make other things <laughs> um for a living but that's my background and I, I love Blackpool so much so when I moved to London I longed kind of for that home the home comfort of people not taking themselves too seriously mm. people from Blackpool okay Blackpool gets a bad rap in the press or certainly has over the past 20 years because it's turned into a it was a town that depended so heavily on tourism okay and then with package package holidays coming in at the 70s 80s mm. it, it was like well people aren't coming here anymore yeah, we, we need to rebrand ourselves yeah. and that's what blackpool is doing at the moment it's going okay it's like a phoenix from the flame and i've been involved in that in blackpool's regeneration so i work with the council now to try and get funding from Brilliant. the government. So we're we're lobbying MPs and trying to get, you know, that regeneration. But that's what Blackpool's all about is, you know what, we can be down and out, but the spirit of the people there is so incredible and so based in a sense of humor about ourselves um, that we can come fighting back and go, yeah, this is who we are. I love it. And that's very much, I think I've sort of semi-applied that to my career and gone, don't take anything too seriously. Take the opportunities that come your way and try and have a laugh as you're doing it. But yeah, politics is something I'm, I am interested in. Let's get you on there. Sure. Look, you, you tick every box, okay? You're clearly bright as a button. Well. You have issues that are important to you that yeah. you back up with gravitas. It's not just you have an opinion and therefore that you think you're right on it. You, you back up your opinion with an with a excellently reasoned oh. argument. I've now spent about 10 minutes in your company, your infectious company, <laughs> which I think is important. A lot of politicians are limp squibs. Yeah. I don't even know if that's an, an, an actual word or a phrase, but let's go with it anyway. Limp squibs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you could really make a difference. Oh, that's very kind. I want you to do it. <laughs> I'll run your campaign. Thank you. I mean, I won't be very good at running your campaign, but I'll be in your corner. Fabulous. What do you reckon? How yeah, many, I mean, you could be my Dominic Cummings. Hey, now there's fun. I'm, I mean, my eyes often need a bit of testing. There we go. Yeah, we can to take you fair. up to Barnard Castle. 2020 vision right now, but if I can do some castle runs, <laughs> you know, just in sure. the future, and actually get away with dressing like an absolute, you know, yeah. he does not dress of his time, in my opinion. No, no, for sure. That's just me. Maybe you like his style. <laughs> I would want to be a slightly better dressed if I I'm going to be your Dominic Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> there's the political answer. There we go. <laughs> okay, fine, good. Right, I think we've got that sorted. Yeah. So let's talk about where this kind of, this voice of yours came from. Now, it probably happened well before this, but of course there is a famous PwC, Heelsgate moment yes. um, where you showed up for working at PricewaterhouseCoopers mm -hmm. and you were in the, the attire, the, mm -hmm. the kind of all black attire, but you weren't in heels. Yes, that's right. And then that became an issue. It did, yeah. Um, I turned up, as you say, smartly dressed, but with smart flat shoes. And the manager there said, it's policy, company policy, that all women must wear high heels. Mm. So you can either go to the shop and buy a pair or you're sacked. And I refused, so yeah, they fired me. Um, and I left and was pissed off about it. Yeah, you know, pretty good reason. Pretty good reason to yeah. me. Um, 
And I didn't do anything about it for a while, but it was the final straw. I'd worked at set, because I was a temp, you know, at the be beginning of my acting career. And loads of people in the acting industry or many creative industries do temp work to pay bills. Yeah, it's and the norm. It's the norm, yeah. Um, and lots of people do it in between their careers as well. It's worth mentioning that. I know mm. a lot of actors who have been on the front pages of all the magazines and yet still have to do temp office work in between. Yeah. This is such a misconception about celebrity. But um, I'd had enough. There'd been so many places where I'd worked where I was like, why do I have to wear specific lip shades? That yeah. one company gave us this Dulux color chart of what lip shade was acceptable. Really? But we had to wear lipstick. I was like, what's wrong with, what's wrong with my natural lips? All, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was much worse things going on for black members of staff. So we're talking, um, they had to have their hair cl uh, chemically straightened because it was deemed unprofessional. Oh, um, they had Seriously? to wear, yeah, oh, it was really, really blatant like that. This is um, yeah, it was horrific. And so I just decided to, well, I Googled how do you change the law um, because I wanted to for that to stop because there wasn't a specific law in place. Even though technically what happened to me was already illegal. Right. The way that the law was structured uh, was in favour of the employer rather than the employee. So an employee on minimum wage would have to pay upwards of £1,200 to take their employer to court. It could take up to 50 weeks to get a decision. And during that time, you would have to abide by the rules. So I said to myself, okay, well, it's actually already illegal, yeah. but what use is a law that isn't in practice? Mm. So I set up a petition saying, make it illegal for an employer to force women to wear high heels. Because mm. that was the gray area. That was the, the kind of loophole that was being abused. And then this petition just went, mental yeah i woke up the next morning and my phone was ringing and they were like oh we want you on vanessa felt's radio show to talk about it and i'd never done radio i'd never done anything live before this Brilliant. was all very very new to me you know i'm at that time i was just a receptionist who'd yeah. done like a couple of episodes of doctors um don't knock doctors no i'm not knocking doctors i've been in you, it twice well and you've been in doctor who oh, well and i've been in doctor doctors. who yeah. yes i went in i was in doctors twice as different characters <laughs> did they survive um, yes, both Good survived. That's I, just I, as well. I had a boyfriend who had a thing called sexual amnesia, which means that uh, post-orgasm, he forgets who I was. <laughs> That's not a and thing. And now I have a feeling that thousands of men across the country suddenly have this thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I, But that's where I was at in my career. Um, and then the phone's <laughs> ringing and they're like, can you talk to Vanessa Feltz? Can you do this? Can you do that? Um, I'd never been media trained. I never understood what you know, these things were, you were just sort of thrown in front of a camera and yeah. I'm doing this down the line on Sky News and I've got an earpiece in and I'm like, oh my God, what do I say? Don't swear, don't swear. Don't say anything offensive. That's all that's going, and that's all that's going on in my head right now. Yeah, is it? That's all that's ever going on in my head is don't swear, don't Let swear. Let it out. Yeah, no, don't, because right. I'll do it on this morning and get fired. <laughs> um, so yeah, that the, the petition kind of just exploded. Well, you ended up in, in Parliament. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, which was super weird and super fun at the same time. Um, but I think that's where, kind of where I am now in terms of being interested in politics and also the broadcasting side of things. I got a buzz from doing that that I never got from acting. Yeah. And I'm not chasing a buzz, it's just, it was a, sen a sense of um, fulfillment. It's, it's a campaign. 
Yeah, you know, it's something it's, you care about. It's it's you you've taken it to the to the extreme version. You know, it's it's the <laughs> version of someone that decides to run a marathon to raise money for a cause they care about. Yeah, you've just gone to the next level. Yeah, and my my parents would laugh at you saying that. They're like, oh, it's not like you to take it too far. <laughs> it's like, uh, right, what's happened? Oh, you got told off for wearing flat shoes, and you're going to Parliament about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Cool. Not like me to let something go. It really Brilliant. isn't. But it was never about shoes, of course. No. It was about discrimination law. Um, even to this day, the Equality Act, you know, all of the examples in the Equality Act, the, sorry, the discrimination under employment law, all the examples of employers are male and all the examples of employees are female. Right. And there's little things like that, right. you know, where you go back and, and actually this is so steeped in our history. Yeah. So much needs to change. And then, of course, Me Too happened a year later. Um, and I was involved in kind of a lot of Me Too campaigning and stuff like that. Okay. Which was Is that because phenomenal. you, outside of PwC, you've you felt... Oh, God, been... yeah. I'd experienced a lot of, okay. of that. Um, and as in well the as acting friends, space or...? All spaces, yeah. Really? In, the, in the acting, I had it at school, sadly. I had it um, in the world of broadcasting as well. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. You see, it, uh, excuse my surprised. Really, yeah. It's you know, as a bloke, you know, you just kind of. I know. We don't realise how lucky we are. Yeah. Until we hear how lucky we are. Sure. And, and it's most a... people are close to hearing how lucky we are. I, yeah. I'm just. I'm every time you say things like this, I'm just disgusted at the, at the, at the industry, at people that let that happen. Facilitators, yeah. I guess, is the word. exactly. And it's a double pronged thing. It's not just. It's. My mission is to get people to stop thinking in good person, bad person, mm. um, because it's not binary. Good people can do bad things. And that's what's so awful in the media is when a perceived good man does a bad thing. Okay. The public are like, I can't. So this is why cancel culture exists, right? Suddenly someone's torn down, mm. which is, you know, rightly or wrongly the, the way to go about it. But when, for example, journalists refer to rapists as monsters i think that's really unhelpful because actually you think you, you have a vision of a monster mm. you think that there's something about that person that is that physically you can spot but that's not what a rapist is or, or an abuser or something like that they you know they exist within us they are our fathers our brothers our right. uncles right. and i think that the sooner we change that binary perception of good person, bad person. Also, you know, bad things can happen. Um, sorry, you know, perceived bad women, for example, bad things can happen to them. Mm. And they end up not being believed because there's also this perception that it's sometimes only women who behave at 100% right. Deserve our sympathy when something bad happens to them, but of course, women who are badly behaved themselves or might not be seen to be a good woman in the eye of the eyes of the public, they need to be believed. Everybody needs yeah. to be believed. Yeah, 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 for sure. So to tr try and break down that stereotype is definitely a mission of mine. Crikey. Yeah. Yeah, and and at the moment you're doing this with your Metro column. Mm -hmm. You're doing this on this morning. I've watched you. Yeah. Uh, you've been a talking head on on many and various different kind of um, news platforms as well, yeah. talking heads and I'm... Yeah, rent a gob. But you know what I mean, as in, you know, if we, if we need someone that's yeah. informed and can speak brilliantly about it and, and actually knows yeah. the issues, you know, you're a go-to mm. right now. We see a lot of you, which I think is only a good thing. Yeah. And it, yeah, you're all set for politics. You, know? <laughs> you really are. It's, and it's not... 
And I, w I want you to keep acting. I want you to keep sure. presenting, although I'm very intimidated by your skill level. You know, if you're a bit worse, I'd be encouraging you to better. <laughs> keep going. But, you know, you're on the scene. It's tough. You know, you're going to take all the jobs from us. Yeah. But it, it does, you know, it's, it's rare that I meet someone who seems so perfectly connected to a career that you, it just feels like there's a light shining and I feel like we'll meet again That's in, in, so interesting. I, I hope we meet again lots but yeah. I feel like we'll meet again in five years and ten years and you will be where we're talking about now because it just it seems written in the stars it a few people have said that to me and often I think sometimes it feels like you can have more of an impact when you're outside of it because the red tape you've got to change from within that yeah I agree you've got to change from within. I agree for, for sure and that's um, why I, I will be your, if it takes me being your Dominic Cummings, I'm there. Dream team. I really think you could do it. I'd I high think, five you, but it's not COVID It's not, we're not allowed. We're not allowed. <laughs> but no, honestly, I'm, I think the things you have stood up for, the things that you've spoken out about, the things that matter to you are so important. And we need a voice like yours. You've got the traction. You've got the intelligence. You've got the skill set. You're the right age. You've got the profile. I really think you could do wonderful oh, things. Thank you. I want you to do it. I, really I feel want like you I've just it. come to see like a really passionate careers advisor, <laughs> and I'm going to walk out and be like, "Yeah, that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life." So I'm, I'm either falling in between Dominic Cummings or the bloke at school that tells yeah. you you need to go to the library yeah. more. And yeah. He, yeah, he was yeah. a great guy. To be <laughs> he was a great. Well, guy. I can blame or thank you in five years' time, depending right. on what happens. I want. I really want it to happen. <laughs> but just on a more light-hearted note, yeah. because of course we can talk in detail, but. I feel that we'd be doing a disservice to everything else you've happened in your career. But I, I've got to ask because I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. The heels thing, which we know was not about heels. You've made that very, very yeah. clear. Has that now stopped you ever wearing heels? Are you not Are you not able to no, show up anywhere now? I love heels. <laughs> Brilliant. Like, I, I hate them because they hurt. But, yeah. like, if, if I'm going to an event or something, yeah, I love putting them on. You don't kind of think twice and go, Piers is going to ride me for this one. Oh, yeah, of course. And if I think Piers is going to ride me, I let Piers ride me and I'll... Critique him afterwards. That sounded terrible. I was going to say that sounded that was something full else. All of innuendo. <laughs> but yeah, often I led you there. <laughs> you did. I you didn't led me mean there. To, yeah, but I drank the water. Yeah. So I often find myself stopping and thinking, "Oh God, is this is this just going to rock the boat a little bit?" And I never want to be somebody who intentionally rocks the boat for no reason. Well, you live on one for goodness. sake. I, yeah, I do live on one. To be fair, but um, yeah. Like when I turned up to Parliament for the inquiry, I thought, should I wear heels? Yeah, yes, yes. And at that, at that, absolutely. Yeah, to make yeah. a point. But then I thought, oh, actually, I think that would probably lose a lot of, maybe for people who didn't understand the nuance of the issue, they would just yeah. roll their eyes at it. So I wore flats and I didn't wear makeup and it was, you know, I did that instead. Um, but no, I do wear heels. And if people want to criticise, the point is, it's my choice. Exactly. Well, that's my point. I think yeah. it's good because you do it if you're happy and want to do it. Yeah. Not because someone's saying, do that, please. For sure. But no, there's definitely things like, because because I'm so open about my strong opinions on stuff. So, and people will call me out on it on online and, and on social media and say, oh, I thought that wasn't in keeping with what you're about. Okay. And that's good because yeah. people should challenge you on stuff. Um, and I either explain it or I apologise or I reassess my viewpoint. And that's growth, right? <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, a lot of your online life, mm -hmm. you do it with a very sardonic twist. Yeah. You know, you're very funny and self-deprecating <laughs> yeah. with your kind of commentary about what's going on in your world. Yeah. It's very, it's very easy to like you to an be. awful lot before, before someone oh, meets you. Thank you. I do try and, if people troll me, some if it's something horrific and or, like awfully sexist and abusive, then I 
block straight away. But if someone says something to me that's quite mean, I often will reply because I think if someone's being mean, they're not doing it to hurt you, they're doing it because they're in some sort of pain themselves. And so my standard response is, particularly over lockdown, has been, actually that really hurt for you to say that, but I hope you and your family are doing well during lockdown. And it's incredible how many people, I'd say 90% of people reply going, oh, sorry, I actually didn't think about what I'd said there and you seem like an all right person, so can can you forgive me or I'm going to apologize. And it's just a nice little like, it feels like a win. Not as in it's a competition between me and them, but it feels like a win for humanity (laughs) to kind of go, no, I'm a real, I'm a real person, yeah. and I'm, I'm reading this, and I, I do read everything. I, I do search for it. I, I just want to know. Do it's you? awful. I read the comments because they're oh, funny as good well. Good for you. I, I hate it. All. My favourite one uh, that I've ever had was just shit. <laughs> you need to get that on a t-shirt. I need it on a or t-shirt a tattoo. or a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> no context. This guy called Steve. Wow. Thank you, Steve. Steve. <laughs> and we've got Steve here today. Steve, oh, here he <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> oh my days. Did you reply to that one? No, no, I just screenshotted it. As... <laughs> I've got an album full of screenshots of particularly horrific things that people have said to me. You should make it your profile, man. That's it, I know. Just have yeah. total ownership. But that's it. how you deal with it, right? Yeah, ownership. You know? Owning that stuff and going. And also, it, it kind of sets an example, I guess, to other people. That's what some of my followers have, have said to me. Um, was like, thank you for actually talking about stuff that people say to you because it's helped them deal with maybe bullies that they've had yeah. at school or comments that they've received. Um, because it's by no means water off a duck's back. Like, it really hurts. Mm. It can't. People will say things to you. And I, I've often said, there is nothing you can say to me that I haven't already said to myself in my mind. There's right. no criticism. There's no nasty comment. Like, I've struggled with mental health issues for years. So please don't send it to me in a text. Yeah, yeah, that's deeply uncool, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not nice, but yeah, it sucks. But you don't have to rise above it. You do, it doesn't have to be like water off a duck's back, but eventually you have to just remind yourself that it, it's not the be all and end all. How do you, you, you mentioned mental health. Mm-hmm. So I hope you don't mind me tapping the box a little no, bit. No, go for it. You know, it's, it was something that, if my maths is right, sort of came to the fore when you were mid-teens mm-hmm. by the sound of things. Yeah. And you've had some real challenges. I mean, these, these mm-hmm. aren't just, you know, like, oh, I occasionally feel a bit low. You've, you've had some massive issues to deal with. Yeah, yeah. How do you kind of face to your, I mean, what sort of demons have you had to face and, and how do you face up to them? Sure. Well, I was hospitalised in 2012 after having years of, you know, what my local GP deemed to be teenage angst, anxiety, Mm. depression, but those words weren't really used that much. Even, you know, it's only 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago? Yeah. But we didn't talk about depression. Uh, And now we do, which is great. People talk about depression, people talk about anxiety. But I often worry that they are two things that are so generalized, whereas actually people's issues within those two spheres are very specific. Right. Um, So I was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2012, was hospitalized after a suicide attempt, and then left the hospital, was on antipsychotic medication for the best part of two years. But I never had bipolar disorder. So you were on the wrong meds? I was on the wrong meds. Mm. And it 
robbed me of a year of my life, but also I think I probably needed to be robbed, not from living, but maybe robbed from doing very much. I think okay. I needed that time to sit and reflect and really think about what was going on in my head. But it wasn't until maybe seven years later that I started seeing a proper therapist. Right. And that's what changed my life. Because he said to me, you don't fit the profile for, uh, for bipolar disorder. But what it seems like is that you probably had what we would label as a borderline personality disorder. Okay. Which the label I hate because borderline personality disorder, it makes it sound like sound like your personality is disordered or that it's somehow your fault, right. which it isn't. Right. But we need a label for things, right? Otherwise, how are we supposed to talk about them? Okay. And he said, well, you wouldn't qualify for this now, but certainly from what you told me about what you were doing, you know, eight years ago, that's borderline personality disorder. Mm. So I bought all the books. I listened to all the podcasts, watched all the videos. I was like, oh my God, this is me. Yeah. This is absolutely me. Um, and although I wouldn't fit the criteria for a full diagnosis now, the after effects of it are still there. Okay. I think the way I describe it is almost like a recovering alcoholic. You mm. know, you might no longer be an alcoholic, but you know that you can't maybe go to certain places. Uh, there might be certain triggers, which certainly is what is that. Triggers is such an overused word, but in the mental health sphere, it is a very specific thing. It's just something that can right. set your mind off to a place where you're no longer able to sort of function normally. And it's about dealing with those, identifying what they are and how best to not avoid them. I like exposure therapy. Okay, so I you, do. you go all in. I go all in. I want right. to, you know, expose myself to things that might um, harm me. I don't know, because okay. I feel like that's what makes me stronger. You sort of that, face up to it. Right? Yeah, right. sure. Right. If someone's, if some, someone or something scares me, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be scared anymore. I want to face that. And that's how, kind of how I deal with stuff. But the community that I've been opened up to is incredible. The right. Facebook groups and on Twitter. And we all talk about stuff that we couldn't talk to our normal friends about. Like, I won't go into the details of the different types of self-harm but for a lot of people self-harm means like cutting or things like that okay but when I was having a really bad episode I would hit my head against a wall to make it stop because uh, the it's not a voice in your head but it's kind of the instinct in your head is you're having a huge panic attack how do you make this stop and there's a voice in your head that kind of goes kill yourself kill yourself and so to stop that voice I would hit my head against a wall which by all means at the time was a very practical response. Blimey. But it's it's obviously not. No. That's not healthy. No. It's not good. And but this would I didn't... be something you would do regularly. Yeah, it was. Right. Well if I was if I was having a, an attack. I haven't yeah. had one for a long time, I hasten to add. But I started speaking in this group about it. And you know people use the the phrase, you know, it's like hitting banging your head against a brick wall. Yes. I remember saying to someone, Yep, done that. And she was like, Oh my god me too and all the other women were like yep 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 and you suddenly go oh this isn't this bad wrong thing about me this is actually a symptom of a condition yeah once you realize it's a symptom of a condition of a disorder then you've got something you can fight against and does that help the voice that's 
yeah. saying all these negative things to you, yeah. you realize actually this isn't this isn't me. No, this is a thing this that is I've it. got. Yeah, so I have my little moment. I go, this is not me. This is not what I'm trying to do. This is the negative patterns of thinking or behaviors that I've learned over the years because mine was very much to do with childhood and, and trauma okay. and that kind of thing. Um, but it's about going, no, I'm going to ride it through and I'm going to get out the other end and it won't matter anymore. But it's that cloud. It's about that cloud passing mm. um, and trying to keep yourself in a safe space as possible. But God, the therapy that I've been through the past couple of years has just been incredible. And also the work that I've done myself. Right. It's involved, I think, changing some of my friendships and relationships to people who maybe understand me a little bit more. Yeah. Um, people I feel more comfortable around yeah. and that kind of thing. But when people talk about mental health, which I think is amazing, I think it's quite restrictive to just refer to anxiety and depression, mm -hmm. which is why I'll say, you know, when something is public as this, you know, I used to bash my head against a brick wall because yeah. maybe there, there might be someone listening who goes, I've done that. I've done that. Yes. Yes. No, you're, you're absolutely right. We, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Janet Devlin's story, the singer. Yes. And she came on and she was incredibly open about she tried to kill herself many times and mm -hmm. various different issues that she's she's faced. And she was extremely open about it. And the number of people that got in touch with me really? through direct messaging or, you know, people I don't know, you know, people found ways they wrote to the network, etc. just to say, yeah. hearing her speak made a difference to get them through the day or made them go to a meeting or pick up the phone to her. Yeah. And indeed, like you say, change friendship groups because she used to say people, her old friends wanted her to be the messed up kid with the issues. And the, right. the, the her that was then in therapy trying to get better and mm -hmm. so on didn't want to perform for them yeah. in the way that they liked her to be the messed up kid. That I identify with that so much. Yeah. Definitely. And that was the hardest thing for me to do was to either lose friends or walk away from friendships because mm. I think it's another it's something that's quite symptomatic of BPD is that you so desperately want to be loved and give so much love out and it feels rejection or abandonment can be just devastating so for me to feel like I had to leave a friendship group or to you know walk away from something yeah it felt like losing a limb but I knew that that's why that's what I had to do. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very, very hard. Very hard. And we're bombarded with so many messages on social media. Positive thinking. Yes. All of that. Yeah. Oh, positive thinking is a load of books. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, cannot, you cannot control what you think sometimes. Like, like, think negatively about stuff, by all means. People should be able to think negatively about stuff. Because otherwise, we, we, we're in a world now, it's like positive, positive, positivity. Therefore, if I'm having a negative thought, I am the, I'm bad for some reason. But no, have negative thoughts. Be cynical, be pessimistic. That's yeah. part of life. Yeah, Because otherwise, you're never going to be happy all the time. In that perverse way, sometimes it feels good to be grumpy. Oh, I love you know, it grumpy. feels good to watch a film that makes you angry. Yeah. Or just curse a bit. Because that's life. Yeah. yeah. That is life. Yeah, the whole Mr. Sunshine thing yeah. does have a... Shelf life. Yeah, it definitely does. And you're, you're only ever going to feel inadequate if you're not happy all the time. So no, I hate positive thinking. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> and for someone that hates positive thinking, you have made great change. You've Aww. done remarkable things. 
I think you're spectacular. I really do. I think you're a one-off. And I, and I think the world needs a lot more of you. And I think our country needs a lot more of you. I know I'm going back to the politics thing, but you are making a difference. I don't know how many people are saying thank you to you for doing it, but oh. please keep doing it. You know, and, and thank you. Well, no, you're, you are phenomenal. And I think <laughs> you, you, know, you maybe don't realise it yourself. You know. <laughs> That's, oh this, this wasn't my intention in the slightest. No, it's so nice. Thank you. It's just, you know, sometimes people need to hear it from strangers, yeah. which is who I am to you at this stage. Yeah. And, you know, the things that you do and the way you live your life and the way you set out and share and campaign and fix on a goal and try to help other people. More people need to do this. We need more of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Andy J Podcast. Wow. Yes, just hearing that again was such a reminder of how incredibly passionate and brilliant and raw and honest and, and fabulous Nicola Thorpe was. So thank you so much for her honesty and companionship. I, I do need to say, though, if you've been affected by anything she said or indeed some of what Richard was talking about as well, then do, do please contact the Samaritans. You can do that by visiting samaritans.org.uk or call 116 one two three that's one one six one two three if you are struggling on any level and your immediate circle can't help please call the samaritans one one six one two three and make sure that you have a tomorrow because you really must always always seek help okay um let's get a little bit poppy shall we just changing gear slightly for you there let's have a chat with the lovely tina barrett from s club seven I'm thrilled to welcome to the show a double Brit award-winning record of the year recipient. It's the glorious Tina Barrett from, well, originally S Club 7 and now a solo artist par excellence. How are you doing, Tina? Hello, how are you? I'm very, <laughs> very happy to chat to you, Tina. And I've got to say, yeah, I, I, I want to start with this. You and I are birthday buddies, that we're a year apart, but we're exactly the same date. <gasps> You're kidding me. Oh, my yeah. God. So 16th of September. That's the one. That's the one. Wow. What a, uh, Isn't that cool? So we're, so we're basically, yeah. Um, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, twins. There you go. <laughs> or maybe I mean, not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, visually, that, yeah. I probably can't stand up to that, especially not with the lockdown pounds. You know, I... Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, 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 it's just all you want to do is eat, isn't it? Uh, basically. It's, it's, just, it's not all I want to do, Tina. It's all I do. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad, but, but, but it's, I, I guess everyone's the same. I'm so pleased that you're still performing because, of course, you know, your, your history uh, in music is, is incredible. I mean, you know, with, with all the accolades you've had and all the hits and all the countries that you've toured in and, and all the rest of it with, with the first band. And we'll, we'll touch on Mystique at some point, incidentally. But, of course, S Club 7 was a huge yeah. part of your early life. And Definitely, you know, yeah. To, to, to keep going after that ended, because a lot of people would kind of say to themselves, OK, I've done that. That's enough. But you've clearly yeah. still got the bug and the passion for it. Definitely. Um, yeah, well, S Club... Um, was just like I, I know, sort of like it's kind of a cliche to say whirlwind, but it really was. Um, we literally, our feet didn't touch the ground for five years. Um, we were kind of, I, I just remember sort of doing, I don't see the UK and SMTV, and then we'd be on a plane to Japan straight after. <laughs> it was literally that crazy, and we were constantly on planes. 
I just don't I don't really remember not being on a plane. Like if we weren't flying um, on uh, something, we were we were literally um, filming our show. So that's it was it was that intense. Do you know, it's so interesting because yeah. I, I recently I was chatting to Brian McFadden and then uh, Suzanne right, Shaw yeah. was on the show from, from Hearsay and, and they both have very similar stories, which is, of course, that the whole thing was just a massive blur. You know, there was just so much happening. You mm. didn't, didn't really get a chance to take it take it in at all. And both of them, no, Suzanne yeah. in particular, sort of talked about the impact almost afterwards of, of, of the press attention and the invasion. And, you know, suddenly she'd gone from, you know, queuing up to be in a you know, TV show that might lead to a, a, a pop career, but never really thinking it would happen, to, to the, all this invasion and, and her life being looked at. And it was very damaging for her. Have you, yeah. have you been more sort of, um, have, yeah. you, have you experienced similar or have you found actually, no, for you it was, it was a different sort of journey? Um, no, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, it, it is. You do feel like you're under a microscope, and I guess because you are. Mm. And and even like simple things like, I, I remember there was a trend. I mean, I, I, I don't think they do it anymore. Maybe they're not allowed because of me too. But um, they, but, um paparazzi used to actually lie on the floor as you go out of the car so, um, so they could get up the skirt. Oh, man. And I used to always think, so, so you were literally like, <laughs> it was just, and so, you know, and do you remember that time where it was always these poor women stepping out of cars and you see a picture of, yeah. of a not very flattering picture. And, um, and, and I remember just literally, but um, having like ballet trained, I, I was really good at sort of getting out cross-legged because really? <laughs> I was the only one that could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it sounds ridiculous, but I actually got out the car with my legs crossed like wow. that and 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 they always went god how do you do that and i was just like uh ballet trained you know no like fair play but you know um <laughs> but you know what the, the fact that you had to yeah. do that that's terrible isn't it because i mean i, I know and i'm thinking back i'm just like did that actually happen oh yeah it did yeah yeah. Have there been lots of kind of pinch yourself moments reflectively? Because don't get me wrong, mm. I, I want to dwell on the future as well, because actually I think you've sure, got a, yeah. you know, a huge career ahead. And, and you know, just a, oh. quick, a quick aside, just last year, you know, moi, moi, your single. Yeah. I, I know I haven't <laughs> said that very well, by the way. I'm not I'm not brilliant at pronouncing, you know, these these short words. But, you know, it did really, really well. A top 10 hit in so many countries, including France, South Africa, Mexico, etc. So I don't want to just kind of be going, well, you know, the S Club was this, that and the other, because you're clearly still in it, still doing it's still succeeding and, and I'm excited about what it brings for you but I just wanted to have a little reflect on things because it's not many people were in one of the biggest bands on the planet and and you were and are there times when you kind of look back and go god you know I was the face of Pepsi you know and Cadbury's mm. and is that a bit do you ever kind of wake up and go was did that happen is that real yeah totally um to be honest a lot of it you kind of forget because because when um because now I feel more like Tina, well, I, I guess I'll always be Tina from S Club because S Club was so big. But um, but I feel more like Tina from London now, like the, yeah. old, like, <laughs> the, the normal me, yeah. Um, but, uh, but like fans still sort of um, talk about, I get like messages about S Club every day from kind of all around the world, really, because of social media. It's like a, um, uh, what's it? It's an international platform. Yeah. And, and and they're sending me things and, and it, they would, They'd send you like they'd send me like the the Pepsi poster and the Sunny Delight poster, the Cadbury's poster and the BT and the, and you know like, uh, we did a few actually yeah and and I and I go oh yeah 
that's it. You sort of forget. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, we were the face of Pepsi. I mean, you, you don't get much bigger than that, I guess. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. If you could do one, just one thing again, be that mm. playing a specific venue or you know performing one of the tracks in a certain space or or having a certain interview that really tickled you or you know doing the TV show or whatever. If it, if it would just be one of them. Just yeah. one more time, what would be your go-to to do it again? Um, hmm. I think, oh, quite, quite a good question, actually. Um, probably, actually, yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd like to do, I, I'd like to win, uh, when, we, when we won our Brit Award, I'd like to do that again, but we actually go to the ceremony this time because <laughs> we never got to go. <laughs> Oh dear! So, so I'd like change that bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, but that's definition. So we've of success, never been to the Brits. Wow. Mm-hmm. That ju- well, that's yeah. the definition of success. You've won the award, but you're too busy to turn up. Yeah, but but it was it, it kind of <laughs> it, it was kind of like oh you know because because we were working so hard um at, at, well actually it was all pretty hard work but um but yeah we were filming our show and I remember. Um, when we did the sort of the, the video um, recording for the Brits, it was literally after like a fourteen-hour day. So it, it, I think it was something like three in the morning. We had to be like, "Yay, the Brits!" You know. And, and I remember we did this like, "Yay!" You know. And then afterwards, when it when it was like, <laughs> oh, everyone was silent, sort of like you know, stumbled to the car. So it was a bit like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you didn't see that bit, obviously. No. Yeah, yeah well, it's funny, isn't it? The truth of the illusion—it's—it's it's a pretty mad thing. It was an illusion, yeah. But obviously, we were—we were like, "Wow, we've won a brick." That's like, you know, yeah, um, huge, huge um, accomplishment. But yeah, yeah. So, oh well. <laughs> it's show business, though, isn't it? I mean, that's that's showbiz. That's, yeah. Did you get a copy of the award, by the way? Did you all get one, or was it just to management? We did, yeah. I, I don't know what what happened. Maybe after after we won, they stopped giving them out. I don't know what because I've heard rumours that people have had to pay for them yeah. and give them back. And yeah, but yeah, luckily we we went. We had a good year. We actually kept. I've got mine. I've got because we won two actually. So yeah. yeah, I've got both on the on the telly. Well, on the man's piece. Well, it's got to be either side, surely. One on each side, you know, like a... It is, yeah. Good. Yeah, definitely. You imagine having to give it back. Sorry, we've decided we didn't like the song anymore. We'll take it back. (laughs) I know, I know. So 11... That that would be awful, yeah. (laughs) It would be terrible. So 11 (laughs) consecutive top five hits, okay, with with the band. And then, of course, you you know... it all came to an end, and it was it, it is what it is. Your fans were heartbroken. Mm. Was it a bit of a relief for you when it when it just finally sort of when it stopped? Were you a bit like, okay, fine, cool, or was it like, oh no, what now? What do I do? I guess a little bit of both because uh, obviously, um, when it all ended, we were all still in our twenties, so um, it wasn't like we were like, oh, okay, time for pipes and slippers, you know. <laughs> so we were, it was a bit like, okay, now what now? But, but we were exhausted, so it was a bit like, oh, well, thank God I don't have to get up at three in the morning, you know, yeah. and do reach, you know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but you do get that sort of, I don't know, that period where you are a bit lost. And, yeah, I, I, it's, it, it, it's quite um, sort of, um, I guess, comforting when you hear other sort of bands say the same because because it is, 
everything they say is true. You know, it's 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 exactly it. You you do go through like a load of different emotions because I guess it's kind of a whole uh, period of your sort of life where it's so intense and you don't really um, you're not necessarily in control. And, and and you're you're sort of playing a role, really. Obviously, you're committed to to carrying on the pop world, which is great. And I know you've got scores of fans. I've seen the numbers of listens you get on Spotify, etc. You know, people love you. And every time you get oh, a new a new you. track out, it, it's it's not long before it's trending and people are listening and going for it. So, so what is the plan oh. there? Are you hoping to recreate the glory days with the others, or are you just kind of wanting to just? Stay in there, have a have a, have a groove, and have some fun. What's the what's the what's the kind of big objective for you? Um, well, um, to be honest, initially there wasn't really a plan because I was I, I've been touring with um, some of the guys from S Club, yeah. uh, Joe and Brad, and we've been we've been all over the world with S Club Three. We were in we were in um, Canada, um, Singapore, and um, Australia. And it, it, it like it was madness. Like it, it's just three of us doing S Club songs, and it, and we were doing festivals and everything, and and it was it was pretty crazy. And then and then lockdown happened. Well, last year actually, um, beginning of last year, um, on and off, I've been sort of in in the studio, sort of doing songwriting with um, various producers. Mm. And um, these these particular producers, AT Empire, who were based in Canada. I did quite a few tracks with them, and I kept in touch. And uh, and they were like, you know what? Let's let's release something. And I was just like, yeah, why not? So and and obviously it was a little bit sort of daunting because obviously coming out of S Club and then several years later, you, you're sort of I guess it's sort of bonkers to release something sort of at this stage. And that's when I released Moi Moi, and it was crazy. The response was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've got another one out now and definitely want to do more because obviously it's nice to kind of get your own stuff out there and show people, you know, another side to you, the real you, as it were. The Andy J Podcast. And there you have it. Three incredible and such varied, varied companions today Richard Blackwood Nicola Thorpe and Tina Barrett I hope you enjoyed this week's show if you have and you're new to the AJ podcast please do check out our massive back catalogue of celebrity conversations we've over 100 star names waiting for your attention and I'd love it if you spread the word as well tell some mates let's get this going because we're doing our level best to bring you this show week in week out bringing the best names and the most fascinating conversations we can muster and I really hope that you're finding them valuable enjoyable entertaining I'd also like to signpost our sister show. If you're into your cars or sort of automotive skewing celebrity conversation, then please do check out the Driven Chat podcast, which I'm a small part of alongside my good buddy John Markar and the wonderful Amy Shaw Photography. She's a photographer and I call her Amy Shaw Photography because that's her handle on Instagram. Um, but they're wonderful and such glorious automotive skewing chats. So if you're into your cars, I'd love it if you checked out our sister pod. Okay, that's it for the AJ pod this week. We'll be back with more celebrities for you. Same time, same place, downloading into your phone or your device next week. Bye. If you're enjoying the Andy J podcast, we'd love a review. In fact, if you're enjoying the show, why not tell your friends? Podcasts live and die on, well, often word of mouth. So please tell your friends. Like, subscribe, review and share. Thank you. 
even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.